Hello and welcome to episode two of the Euphoria podcast, coming at you live from our AR studio, digital masterpiece that this Dude, is. It's not when, actually AR, but... <laughs> when the first episode came out and I saw how it was like 2D us in the studio, I was laughing for at least five minutes straight. It looks so, so beeping cool. Yeah, I can't wait to watch it again. Uh, shout out to Phil, who's our producer, works with a company called More Than Visuals. They, uh, he, he came in clutch on these green screen lights and the like, I don't know. I, I know what you call the effect in Photoshop. I don't know what you'd call it. Whatever the hell the like tilty effect is to make us look free. It's, it's weird. <laughs> if you think it's weird, don't worry. This is the last week of it. But Phil uh, helped us make something special here. So it that looks, us being from home would still feel a little bit like the studio environment. Looks like we're stuck in a box. Drake goes, help, help, help. <laughs> I'm stuck on a screen. Yeah, speaking, uh, this is Euphoria Podcast, as always. Spotify, YouTube, uh, iTunes, or Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud. Wherever you want to listen, we're probably there. If we're not, hit us up. We'll talk to the producers and see if we can get it uploaded there as well. But um, speaking of technical difficulties, we had a a lot of fun this weekend on the remote cast. (laughs) And the best part is, so people don't know this, but I I was in the studio every day at every step of the way. Um, But the way that the online setup works, it just always makes sense for me to connect on a PC the way Cajal is to sync up our audio and make everything work. That's just the simplest and cleanest way for us to be able to cast in sync. Because if I were to cast on the desk where you see like Maddie Vetti last weekend, there's a huge, huge audio delay that doesn't work. But um, despite Cajal being at home and in theory, the most prone and most high risk to technical difficulties because there are no engineers in the area. It's like if anything goes wrong, he's kind of on his own. Someone has to like remote into his PC. His German internet could go out at any moment. Despite all of that, me in the studio surrounded by engineers and incredibly expensive technology, it's my shit that broke. And my man here, if you missed it, SK versus Mad Lions from 30 minutes onward, uh, you can jump to the part where I sound like a robot and then disappear. Uh, we witnessed an iconic LEC moment in the cage roll. Oh, it was cast. it was such a banger because apparently your your microphone was robo roboted, but I couldn't hear it. Yeah. You were fine for me, like absolutely fine. And then you just finish your sentence, and as you finish your sentence, I'm about to talk, and then Depas in my ear saying, "Yeah, Dracos's mic is absolutely gone. You're gonna have to solo this." And I was like, "Okay, that's no problem. It's probably gonna be fixed in 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. Like this mm-hmm. game is they're they're sieging Boltonhip. Like this game is over. This game is done in five minutes anyway." And then I'm casting for like two minutes. I can't, I don't have a button that I can press. Normally when you're casting in the studio, you have a, a, a talk back button and you can hold it and talk to the producer and be like, hey, so is Draco's mic fine? Status hey, update, what are we doing? Yeah, status update, what's happening? You know, give me some updates because I don't have that button at home. So I was just kind of like, yeah, I hope Dracos comes back soon. Uh, this game is, uh, is great. And all of a sudden update comes in my ear after a few minutes and Depa's like, the producer's like, yeah, Draco's mic, I think we're going to have it fixed in two minutes. I'm like, okay, two minutes. I've already done five. I can do two. And then after two minutes, after a massive fight, uh, Depa's like, yeah, you're going to have to go to the end of the game. And I'm like, okay, surely. They just got Elder, second Elder. Surely it's going to end soon. They just got the fifth Baron. Now they got the third Elder. And now they're fighting the fourth Elder. And I'm like, dude. And I saw a stat, and it was like one of the longest games since 2018 spring. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And of course, Mm -hmm. it had to be that one that you disconnect on. you. Yeah. I love. We started a new meme now. Anytime I say we're doing anything there together, anything together, people tweet me immediately. Like, are you mean Cage was doing it solo, right? You mean Cage was going going to solo it? The co-streams, the co-streams are popping off. 200k co-stream on uh, on Saturday or Sunday, whenever it it was. 
Ooh, uh, the Cadrel LEC co-stream. Resident co-streamer. <laughs> yeah, it was so funny, yeah. too, because on my side, so I'm not going to tell you guys that this is like the, the remote for everyone listening. The remote setup is like perfect. I think it's like we've gotten into a good spot. And it's certainly better than we first had to start doing it. But obviously, it's not ideal. And hopefully, me and Cajal can be back in studio this week and it'll all, all be fine. But um, the funny thing, is like the best solution for our audio not to be desynced is like we hop in a Discord call separately. And I forgot yeah. that. So I'm muted in the main program that we use. We're using it for Euphoria now too. Um, so I'm like, oh, Cadrell can't hear me while I'm going test, test, test. But I forgot. I'm oh, still yeah, you, the, I, yes. I'm still in the Discord I call. Remember. And I'm just hard griefing you because you're trying to cast. I'm like, test, 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 test. Is this. it fine? Yes, and I like, I only like 15 minutes into your solo cast did I realize that you could hear me the entire time while I'm over here like, what do you mean it's broken? What do you mean? Okay, so it's not a hardware thing. What is it? Oh, is it this thing? Okay, are we trying that thing? Maybe we could do that. And you're uh, you're still at a yeah, talk in I your ear I, I, the I heard you. Time. Yes, I heard you saying test, test, test every couple like every couple minutes. You're like test, 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 test. And I thought you were doing this. I forgot about Discord too. I thought you were doing this on the broadcast to see if your mic was fixed. No, and I didn't that realize just, that, that you were just, just doing it to you. me. Oh my god! So I, I I didn't really like talk too much over it because I wanted to see like if the test 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 cut your mic out and then you'd be like, oh, it works again. I'm back. But now I just realized you're just in my Discord call griefing me. <laughs> oh my god! No one could even hear it. No way! It was so frequent as well. Yeah. Okay, that's pretty uh, funny. Yeah. So as a that's final recap, um, one shout out to you, obviously, Mark, and your heroic heroic solo cast i'm glad so many people liked it uh on the engineering side for those curious as to what actually happened um basically there's like there's when you do remote stuff like this there's a lot more points of failure so it can be hardware or software on my end on the pc that i'm working on and then every step of the way until it's actually broadcast out in studio there can also be a failure um and you basically just have to go unless it's really clear what the issue is you have to go through and test every one and sadly it wasn't hardware on my side it wasn't software on my side so it wasn't like a restart the pc it'll be fine it ended up being something with uh our encoding process i believe uh, i'm not an engineer again but so it was one of those things where it's just like well we're kind of screwed until we can get to a break screen so Mm. Good luck, Cadrel. Yeah, mm. but hopefully, hopefully, I'm in studio this weekend. Not hundred percent, but it looks like it might be likely. Yeah, we won't have audio issues, and the boys will be back in town. I'm so pumped, bro. You guys don't. We have like a huge precast ritual. We listen to some hella gangster rap. Uh, it's get pop a itself. bunch of caffeine, get super hyped. It's it's a jam. <laughs> so I'm. <laughs> Oh yeah, and we yeah, listen to you bonfire. Gotta you gotta feel it. Oh, oh yeah, we gotta listen. We listen to like In, old internet friends <laughs> bonfire. Nostalgia. You blocked yeah, me on Facebook, old. and now you're going. And now to, okay. you're going to die. <laughs> okay, okay. We're um, gonna die. <laughs> <laughs> but to not get too far down the rabbit hole, this week we're gonna be talking about a lot of things. We uh, went on Twitter and asked you guys for a lot of your hot takes and opinions on this week, and you delivered 351 comments on the tweet. Thank you so much. Um, we're gonna Sheesh. hit on a lot of us on Twitter. Yes, thank you. At Cadrill as well, if you have any additional ones. Uh, and at the end of this episode, we're also going to have a question that I want to ask to all the Euphoria viewers for the next week, just something I've been kicking around that we'll talk about in the next episode. But this week, we're going to talk about the biggest surprises in week one. We'll talk about your hot takes, and we'll talk about um, spring split MVP predictions, because a lot of these hot takes were actually predicting the MVP already, which I like, because we were going to talk about it last episode, and we ran out of time. Which is crazy because we mm. went for almost uh, <laughs> we went for <laughs> one hour and forty minutes last episode, which uh, we got a little slap on the wrist for. We got to we got to cool yeah. it down. So we went a little bit too long. 
But um, speaking of, you know, we had technical difficulties. We had, you know, big, you know, I kind of griefed you. And speaking of griefing, <laughs> um, the biggest surprise in week one to the surprise of no one. And you're, we have a million hot takes on this. I'm not going to read anyone in particular. Uh, and we'll get to some of the more niche ones later. But uh, Vitality, we put the mess here. Um, and what you guys don't know is that S is for suck. And ah uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, guy, we just yeah, didn't tell you what S, this time. what S meant is S meant suck. Um, yeah, Alf, yeah. Uh, Alf and Ari A, and the A boys. means all right. B means yeah, yeah. below expectationly average. You know, D, D means, means definitely Astralis. You know, guys, we just didn't click. <laughs> we didn't. We didn't. No. Um, C so means we can win games. You know, <laughs> can can okay. win games occasionally. Uh, yeah. <laughs> No, um, you know our tier list ratings. We were wrong in this one. I think in the long run, I still have faith, but I think it's really important that we look at what actually happened this week in Vitality because I think that both you and I, Mark, expected them to hit the ground running, and uh, they hit the ground, uh, but they, <laughs> they didn't get up. <laughs> yeah, it was, it, it was more like two hits. Uh, you know, one team hits and Vitality hits the floor sort of thing, sadly. It was a mess. I, uh, I re-watched a lot of their games yesterday. I found a lot of issues. Um, so first of all, the first two games they played, I really didn't like the way that they were drafting. Mainly because I feel like they're overcomplicating things. It's early spring um, and it's the start of a brand new season. People haven't screamed for very long. It's a brand new meta, new champions in the meta, new team. Need to find your footing, need to find what works for you. And if you look at a team like Rogue, who I'm sure we'll touch on later, they made it very simple. They're clicking or on top, Jinx, Victor, team mm -hmm. fights only, Corkies across the map. Um, and they were playing too much to counter lanes. Like, they never really drafted their own comp, you know. They're, they're picking Cannon into Renekton, which is good matchup, right? You're, you're, you're countering the lane. Um, but for the game, it didn't really work so much. You know, action into Yasuo, you'll get the push, you're countering the lane. Vex into LeBlanc, you should counter the matchup, you'll win the lane. Wukong into Jace, right? They're, they're, they're picking the counter lanes rather than draft a comp, I felt like. Um, and the comp never really came in together as Harmony. Um, or, or like work so well together, you didn't have a clear win condition when you're playing like Akshan, Viego, uh, Kennen, and you're up against a team comp that's just going to press R. You really need to play so well coordinated around where they are, what their cooldowns are, uh, level 6 power spikes, shutting them down, getting individual advantages, controlling side lanes, finding flanks. Like, there's so many things to juggle, and as good as these players are individually, which I still believe they are, it just feels really overcomplicated for an early spring split, early week one, when uh, it's a long year, and there's still a lot to, to, to practice. Um, so it's just straight off the bat, team, team comps didn't like too much. Um, by around day three, I, I liked the, the Wukong, the Vex thing, um, because that did kind of make sense. But overall, I think there was also a lot of individual errors. Um, like Perks was picking Vex into LeBlanc against Nuketuck, uh, taking Ignite, really struggling, forced back to his tier two early, had to get jungle to help him push out. Uh, Karsi, LeBrof were getting 2-2 killed a lot. They were getting pushed in, losing matchups they shouldn't be losing. Uh, yeah, didn't really feel like they well, were working as much as a team. Yeah, and I think that it's sad for Vitality because it's not. It's a tough. It's a tough. It's it's almost. It's good that it was so catastrophically bad that they can just kind of reset. I think in some in a small way, and I know that sounds weird, but it's like I, it feels like pretty much every across the board, every like everything that could go wrong went wrong because you had mm. individual underperformances. That Perks versus Nuke Duck lane, like the only reason Perks didn't die like four times in that lane is because nuke duck built freaking leandries for some reason he built ludens malzahar and then he built leandries leblanc and i'm just he's, like he's playing, he was i've seen this build before I, the first time i saw this build was larson was playing it in solo queue and it's like a full cdr leblanc build which has a lot of uptime but not a lot of burst so i kind of get it um 
I kind of get the build, but of course, like a Luden's one shot is always good. Uh, just your cooldowns are a lot longer, and if you play this build, it's like a in yeah, out, in out, like, shake it all about kind of build, you know? I know, but like at the same time, bro, it's like, yeah, I get that <laughs> your like mythic passive on your Luden's is, or on your uh, Leandry's is going to help you out, but like up until you're like three, four items, just build the cooldown booth and get a Luden's Echo. You know what I mean? Like just, just, just kill. Mm. And this is not to sh shit on Nuketuck because while Nuketuck was zero, zero, zero for most of that game, he was winning he that was lane. Smurfing. He yeah. was beating the hell out of perks. And I think that like perks looked uncharacteristically um, uncomfortable in that lane matchup. I, every time I felt like we were going mid, it felt like he was getting out traded. He was missing some shots. And like, look, the Vex delayed Q, not easy to hit on a LeBlanc, certainly. But you do expect that matchup to be a little bit more close, a little bit more contentious. And it was super clear that Nuke Duck knew exactly what he was doing in that matchup. And Perks looked pretty lost. <clears throat> mm -hmm. And in um, the same I vein... Also think oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was okay. going to say... Okay. okay. Well, we got a little bit of delay here, so we're working <laughs> through it, clearly. Um, uh, <laughs> no, what I'll say point. is yeah. the other side of this that was, was difficult, too, is it wasn't just these individual um, mistakes or issues, because you highlighted the bot lane, I think. Uh, Fari, while he did do good, was mostly set up, too, with counterpicks. Um, the execution errors were everywhere, you know? And it was as bad as, like, the most highlight one is obviously people are going to look back at that Wonder Tower dive. But there were a lot of little moments where it felt like, oh, if they played that a little bit cleaner, that would have looked like normal tower dive, normal team fight. But mm -hmm. then there were just these small, I'm not sure if they were communication errors, I'm not sure if they were hand issues, but, like... Wonder living in that top lane in that game is as much a testament to how great Wonder is and how heads up of a play Wonder was making as it is how unorganized Vitality are and like everyone going in at different times, super desynced. And Wonder did still have to play that flawlessly. I'm not trying to take away from Wonder, but I think there's a world where Vitality are 2% cleaner even and Wonder at least goes down sooner. True. I mean, credit to Wonder for that outplay. Just talking about that game, I do think that outplayed top dive where they used a lot of gas top and didn't really get anything for it because they lost the two for one trade it didn't really define the game too much all it did was put the Gregor slightly ahead or even with the renekton mm. so playing over sides became harder where you want to you know tf ult to the renekton lane kill the Gregor. he's just really tanky now because i think the biggest problems they had this game was it was 18 minutes in they had four towers to one and they had a 6k gold lead so when you're playing a TF comp with a 6k gold lead it's very easy to win the game you just have to play over sides but what ended up happening was the brov got caught uh, and then they got caught mid, and then they overextended into a jungle. A couple of them died, and then they got caught mid again. So what happened from 18 to around 25 minutes, around 7 minutes of game time, I think they pushed out one side lane or two side lanes in 7 minutes, because what kept happening was someone kept getting caught mid, then they had to keep running mid to cover it, and by the time they know it, they're, they're kind of even in the game, and they just lost Baron because their, their AD and, and support just got dove. So I really think they should have won this game. The other big problem they run into now that they threw their lead is their only AP damage is a Twisted Fate when you're up against happens like Gregas, um, yeah. who's building full armor. And, you know, Perks, of course, is playing Everfrost Rapid Fire, right? So it's not a lot of AP damage. So um, you're playing TF Rennington, which are the two most banned champions in the Eastern region, and you're not closing out the game. As complicated as it is a little bit complicated to play TF Rennington than it is, you know, Corky Jinx, um, it still should be a win. So that's why I got a little bit worried for them when they were ahead. I think just really uncharacteristic mistakes from Carsey in that game and Nabrov just getting caught a lot and then dying 2v2 the next day against XL. There's a lot of bad signs, which I think they'll recover from. But uh, yeah, very uncharacteristic. When you got the day one, poor drafting. Yeah. Day two, should have won, but mis-executed. Day three, losing lanes individually. Uh, Alfari's TPs looked really off in day three as well because he was ahead on Wukong, but he could never really transition his lead because every time he TP'd, the fight was already over or it was mm -hmm. um, they couldn't really find anything. Uh, so yeah. 
Yeah, overall, I'd say that this was super disappointing. If you're a Vitality fan and you're disappointed, I would say absolutely mm-hmm. rightfully so. Um, but I would also say let's see what happens in the weeks to come because I still think you have, yep. on paper, a very strong roster. And you still had, despite what was ultimately a terrible week, some really good moments. And um, it feels weird because I feel like I'm just being a Vitality apologist at this point because it was, it, was it was a trash week. Don't get me wrong. I'm just like three games, oh, yeah. first week. Let's see what they look like with a little bit more practice. Maybe a little bit more of a wake-up call. Who knew? Maybe they were smashing scrims with all these compositions and they never hit resistance like this. Like, even the best players sometimes need time. Maybe a hard pill to swallow when you watch the LCK last week and you see these brand new rosters just like instantly popping off at a super high level. But I still think it is the case that oftentimes even a perfect roster or paper-perfect roster needs a little bit of time to adjust and uh, figure its stuff out. Yeah, maybe we set expectations too high. Maybe we were expecting them to just come out 3-0, instant super week, be the best team in the league next to Fnatic or something. That wasn't the case. Um, I think it's definitely valued criticism to say, like, look, you guys were individually performing mid, bot, uh, self-made didn't really find anything, TPs were not great, you know. Maybe it was just an off week. Um, Yeah, I'm sure they'll bounce back. I mean, you just have to look at the, the pedigree of the players. And if they don't, well, something is going wrong in that team. Um, if they don't bounce back and they are a middle of the pack team, that's not where any of those players want to be. Selfmade even said, if I'm ever going to win, this is the roster to do it. Perks and Alfari came back to EU to join this roster. Karsi left at back-to-back two-time champion uh, in Mad Lions to join this roster. So I don't think any of them are content. I don't think any of them are like brushing it off. They're probably very yeah. self-critical. And if they can't turn that ship around from this week one, then something is drastically going wrong in that team with the caliber of players they have. Yeah, and certainly it would have been nice for those players to be able to chill a little bit, have a 3-0 start and coast, but now they're going to have to sweat for every week, for every game. Because again, now that you're 0-3 down, race for playoffs is difficult. Unless you turn the ship around to 180 degrees, if you keep having messy mm-hmm. games, you're going to be in hot water after two or three weeks. Yeah, as much as I'm also uh, very critical on Vitality, I also think it's sometimes good to get a kick up the ass as a super team. You know, you're, you come in, you, you imagine they went 3-0 and they laid back a bit in scrims and then they cruise spring split and then they come to a playoffs and they just bomb out or something. I mean, we've seen iterations of G2 cruise a lot and then get kicks up the ass after going 0-4 over two weeks. Maybe it's a good thing yep. for them, you know? Maybe everyone thinks, well, now expectations are lower, vitality suck, and then they're just like, you know what, actually, we do suck. And then they're going to put even more hours into practicing. Uh, so yep. it could be good in a way, but still very, very poor performance this weekend and a lot to be desired. Yeah, we got a lot of maybes for Vitality coming up. We'll keep our eye and just have to see what happens at the end of the day. But speaking, one of those teams, the one that Karzi left in this case, Mad, we put them in B tier. This may be one of the only teams on our list that I think we could have potentially bumped up. And I think our logic at the time was sound, but I think we underestimated the impact of Kaiser El Yoya uh, a little bit because that first game was a freaking carry clinic. Uh, from mm-hmm. Elioya, absolute absolute masterclass. And for the rest of the weekend, I think Elioya played pretty solidly. Ultimately, wasn't able to have that same success that he did in the first game. And overall, I was pretty impressed by Mad Lions. Um, I think we have a lot left to see from the rookies, but we already had a ton of people on Twitter coming out calling Unforgiven. You know, the next great you know eighty carry prodigy. Yep. People were hyped, and he did. He had a fantastic game. He got a lot of resources funneled into him. But um, maybe tempering that a little bit. Two one week for Mad Lions. What's what's your read on the Lions right now? Um, yeah, I don't want to overreact, but phenomenal week from them. Like you can take the SK slugfest and say like, well, it wasn't a flawless week, right? They were really struggling in this, uh, in this SK game, 55 minute game that they ended up losing when I think they should have won that game. 
Yes, mm. but then, you know, they come to the day afterwards, day three, they're against G2, and then they beat them in 25, 26 minutes, like, handily. Um, so very convincing game from them there, very convincing game against Vitality, but against SK struggling. Maybe we'll see some Mad Lions inconsistency uh, regular season, as we always have done, but uh, biggest highlights for me, of course, Elioya Kaiser. Un they're so good. It's, it's crazy how good this jungle sport are. And Reeker's been a bit quiet, but unforgiven, man. I cannot praise this guy enough for his debut in the LEC. Like, he is always up in CS, always winning his lane, always having the push. Even in their loss against SK, this guy was like 10 and 2, doing insane, insane things in fights with Jin and things like this. Like, like his DPM, you know, 30% of Mad Lions' damage share is unforgiven, right? Yeah. He's, he did 900 DPM against SK. Even though they lost, he's pulling 900 DPM and has two deaths in a game that has 50 kills. Like, what this guy i feel like is showing signs of incredibly good consistency uh, and really good reliability as a carry which i want to say sometimes mad lines kind of lacked last year um, sure because yeah, i feel like carsey's carsey was a little bit inconsistent with kaiser maybe they were both each other's demon where you know one of them jumps in the other one follows and then they both die whereas yeah. now it looks a lot more tempered from the well, bot lane of mad lines it's weird now because we we call this out in our cast for mad lions but like Definitely Kaiser has been getting a little bit too aggressive and maybe invading when he shouldn't be invading yep. when he doesn't have enough vision and he's been dying. So it almost feels like the aggression that we used to attribute to Karzi, some of those like whoops moments. Now Kaiser's getting a little bit of that and now Unforgiven is like Mr. Stable and Mr. Reliable, which as you highlighted is great. Like 4-1-5 first game is Karthus. It was like, okay, but he played Karthus. He didn't have to do anything. 10-2-7 is Jin mm -hmm. in a super tight game. Like Great job. With 55 kills. And keep in mind, Jezu, with three lives between a GA, a Chemtech Drake, and uh, his normal <laughs> life as Ezreal, was eating into this guy every fight, basically. And this man still only yeah. died twice. Like, that is super impressive. And then, obviously, uh, the last game as well. Yeah, I think there's just really good signs, right? The low deaths, high DPM, good stats, really high CS out of lane, and then just the consistency of being able to be ahead of the enemy AD carry and farm going into mid to late game, right? When the game is in an even state, which was the SK game. Like, he was mm -hmm. so far ahead in CS on Jin. Um, and I, I can't sing his praises enough. I don't want to overhype him because I don't want to sell him as, like, the new best AD yeah. carry. But the fact that Mad Lions take a player who finished fifth or sixth in the Prime League, was on an LEC Academy team, took them from that team, placed him on their starting roster, and he's having a debut like this. Um, I, if this guy turns out to be an incredibly good AD carry, which I think he will be, then again, Mad Lions have proven to us that their scouting is just uncomparable. It, 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 they just never fail. I, I yeah. I, what I'm really liking about, and again, not to oversell Unforgiven, because I think that it is, a, in the same way it's a single week for Vitality, it's a single week for Mad Lions, and there's still a lot to be seen. But he plays well on an island. He's got the third lowest bot proximity, fourth lowest, fourth lowest bot proximity. So generally not camped a lot, only 9%. Belia is time. Belia is spending a ton more time in the mid lane. As we saw, a ton more time with Kaiser. Um, he's doing well on an island. He's farming well, and the team is putting resources into him, which is a huge sign of faith. Again, they could just make this man play Jin and not give him a lot of farm and trust someone else to carry, but they are consistently putting resources into this guy, and it's paying off. And he shows up in team fights. And it's like for a Mad Lions team that we know when all else fails, was at team least fights. in the past able to go back to team fights that's huge like that is uh massive uh and i yeah, think that that's yeah i i agree the last thing i was just gonna say is um unforgiven good signs good start see if you can keep it up good consistency very good signs as well you know i just talked mm -hmm. about it like 900 dpm against sk 
Um, he was 30 CS up against SK at 15. Um, he was averaging 11.3 CS per minute against G2. Like these are really high numbers, quite inflated actually for a debut. Um, so yeah, I'm on the unforgiven train. Yeah, I think the most impressive part of this is if you just had a 3-0 week, we could just call it a 3-0 week. But when you're playing so well in a contentious loss against SK and you still are putting up, you still have a great KDA as an AD carry player, you're still doing a lot of damage, you're still being high impact. That's um, that's always a great sign to me because usually we get one side of the coin. We get the over-aggressive anti AD carry or we get the way too safe huh. AD carry. And it feels like yep. Unforgiven is right now at least towing that line. And that's that's the spot that all AD carries aspire to be in, you know, on the on the edge yeah. of madness. The last thing I'll say is, uh, in classic Mad Lions fashion, Kaiser said in the interview, yeah, we were, scrims were pretty rough, you know, <laughs> but it's stage games and we always show up on stage games. And from knowing Mad Lions last year, I know that, you know, their scrims were always quite tough, but they somehow brought it back in stage games. Um, I'm not going to leak things, but I know that they were losing a lot of scrims to other top teams, but then they come on stage and clap them. Yep. So, I, I, yeah, props to Mad Lions. Like, it seems they still have some of their signs from last year, which makes sense. They still have three other players. So, yeah, clutch, yeah. clutch, jungle support, Armut being reliable, and then Unforgiven Reaker, good debuts. Absolutely. Uh, one team I want to hit kind of quickly, uh, I think there's still a lot left to be seen in this team, but it's Team BDS. And I think that's because uh, there were... B, a t BDS was a team that had so many variables that I think people could have told me that they're they expecting to be a top team or a bottom team, and we would have had as much evidence to prove that. Because there's just not there was there's not a lot of proof with this team. You could speculate based on mm -hmm. you know some Adams success on Fnatic, and you could speculate based on some of the K Corp success. But that was a lot of that was K Corp as a team. And what I'll say is that I was very much on the side of I expect nothing from BDS. But I will say that I was pleasantly, pleasantly surprised this weekend by their mid-jungle. Nuclear Int and Syncroft, they weren't, they weren't perfect games, but they had some bangers. They really did work this weekend, which was big for me because I, I look at Syncroft and I was like, oh, is this guy really going to be it? You know, a jungler who facilitated a lot at an ERL level, is he going to be able to stack up? But this man did work this weekend. Huge, huge respect to Syncroft and Nuclear Int. Yeah, mid-jungle were playing pretty good. I think uh, Adam also had a pretty good game on Scion against Hirits Chase, you know, playing this matchup, which is quite tough, managing to get solo kills, winning top, and ended up losing mm -hmm. the game because team fights didn't go his favor. Uh, I think one thing I'm missing from this team so far just yet is limit on a engage slash pair up with jungle support. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Rather, I mean, he did play it. He did play Yumi once, but when he plays Nami and Soraka, he's more of like a scaling team fight, you know, pushing bot is great, but don't really need to. And in the game that he does play the one... I will say winning lane in this case, in the Lucian Nami, bot lane was not winning. I can tell you that for a fact. Matty was like really struggling um, and the 2v2 never really went in their favor. So I'm seeing signs of like what's working for this team, mid jungle for sure. I want to see Limit on more engaged supports where he's like probably more confident and more game dictating and more vocal. Um, yeah. But still pleasantly surprised, I think is a good way of putting it, mainly because I think if you look at BDS, the players with the lowest expectations were probably the mid-jungle, right? Syncroft coming in, mm -hmm. weren't sure how good he is. Nuclear and split on Schalke, very underwhelming. Adam on Fnatic had his, his volatility, so probably looking at top lane to carry. And Limit was, you know, a, a stable, good support in the LEC. You know, top support. Maybe they can find some plays around the map. Um, and then the, the, the ones who are kind of carrying the games are the mid-jungle. So that's already a good sign. Uh, having a very co strong, consistent, early game focus mid-jungle always helps out both of your side lanes. So Maddie can, you know, look at his performance, step it up a little bit. Adam, good first week, I think. Um, so there's still some good signs for BDS. Yeah. And I don't want to undercut Adam. Syncroft and Nuclear are who stood out to me the most. But Adam came in on Darius in quintessential Adam style. 
beat the hell out of Wonder, which was cool. Uh, and then the Scion game against Hear It, also awesome. Sad that he was not able to transition that to a win. I think we saw this in both the Hear It and the Finn Jace games that even if you put Jace down in the mid game, if his team is good, those empowered shock blasts are going to do work. And that, it, which is so weird because I felt like Jace in the past yes. was always the you have to get ahead and you have to stay ahead champion. And now I look at Jace's damage output in fights and I'm like, is Jace a weak side top laner? Like, did uh, we are we in the future of weak side Jace? I don't get it. I don't get it because both times the Jace was getting clapped like zero two, zero three, like uh, down twenty CS, ten CS. It's ten, fifteen minutes, and the champ is not su supposed. To, it's not supposed to find a way back in the game when it's that far behind. I feel like the Jace has just got kills in team fights and then was able to push out sides for free because the champ that was ahead was overgrouping and then they got their way back in the game. Um, EU Jace, man. EU Jace, man. So it gets its way back in the game. Uh, but yeah, uh, I still think the champ's really strong. It, it does have to win its lane and it does have to get ahead and you naturally want to play for a Jace. Having a Jace that's behind on your team is like, as, as a famous man once said, uh, it's about as useful as nipples on a man. Um, so yeah, when the Jace falls behind, it's not a good, it's not a good, not a good look. Yeah, I agree completely. And I think that both those Jace performances that we highlighted, both Finn and uh, here, were very fortunate that the rest of their team was able to, like to do some work. Yeah, and I, well, I would even say, like, I well, think the good news, yeah, I said the good news with Jace is that, like, I don't feel like you have, and I think that item trough point that has been used forever is probably over-exaggerated these days with Caitlyn, but I think that, like, Shock Blast is so good, and Jace combo is so mm -hmm. strong that, like, Caitlyn's never going to want, unless someone steps on a trap, Caitlyn's never going to one-shot someone on the back line reliably in a fight, but if Jace gets a flank ever, even if he's on two items and someone else is on, like, three or four, you know, if they're a squishy carry... He can just one pop someone, and that's crazy. Actually, yeah, I think small interesting meta, I'll small touch on this is you're right. I think Jace is really powerful poke champ, as we always know. And I feel like teams are drafting a lot into poke slash team fight, especially in the East. We're seeing like Estral Yumi's come out. We're seeing Zoe um, last picks on red side. We're seeing Corky blind picks constantly. Uh, LeBlanc is somewhat considered a poke champ slash burst assassin, right? Um, yeah. Jin as well. So I feel like a lot of the champs. A lot of comps right now are pure teamfight or poke, um, which is interesting. Yeah, we'll see how the meta develops, but Jace definitely fits that. If you get a Jace early rotation in, or an Esriel, uh, you definitely want to deny things like Zoe. Uh, even Nidalees were being picked uh, in the LCK. Yeah, frankly, EU Nidalees don't quite hit the same way, but I would be excited to see us try it one more time. Uh, may maybe, maybe this is the year of the LEC Nidalee. <laughs> Um, just casting the game and all of a sudden we see a spear fly between us oh my <laughs> god yeah, that's my fear so you just feel like at any moment the collateral damage if we're gonna like we're gonna get pulled into the matrix and we're just instantly just gonna get one shot by these random spears that are flying cast past. a g2 game we have to buy a new kitchen oh my god yeah the thing is, is people meme yanko so much but <laughs> it's like kidding. our league was not no there weren't really that like we did not have a legendary nidalee player like yanko's the most obvious in the uh his accuracy but uh no the memes general, are there but yanko's is a really good player of course I mean, yeah, obviously. I think the, the other team that we're kind of talking about now, um, talking about like uh, this top side and that's just really interesting to me is is Rogue. I mean, a 3-0 start for this team. Um, and I think that I was looking at the numbers because I was like, damn, what did Rogue do so well? And you were really good about highlighting earlier in the week how they were drafting and how they were setting up. But I got to say, a quick shout out to Odawamne, who is ninth mm -hmm. in jungle proximity, gets literally no attention, but is always ahead in gold and CS, and they're 3-0, so these are naturally, yeah. these. when you win, these stats are usually higher, but the laning stats, um, still relevant to a certain degree, and still has a huge percentage of his team's damage share. 
Odo did work this weekend. He played weak side. He got some orange game. He got a Renekton game. Like, shout out to Odo. I was not... He had a up and down split last season. That best five against Hirat was trash, to be completely honest with you. But he came out clutch in this one and also beat the hell out of Hirat. So Odo looking great on this rogue lineup. Mm-hmm. Agreed. I think good show, good showing in the week one. Also, I think uh, Odo's performance, I think, left a bitter taste in people's mouths from Worlds when, you know, he was up against Khan, he was up against Nuguri. And yes, I think he did underperform a little bit at Worlds, but it's great to see him bounce back. I think the underperformance could come from multiple reasons. Remember, he was sick and things like this. So now yeah. that he's back, week one, fresh start, somewhat fresh team, I'll say, with a new jungle, uh, especially as a top laner. Looks good. Malrang surprised me a bit i think a lot of his pathings and a lot of his decisions were were pretty out there he was forcing 4v5s when larson was on a side lane he was overstaying ganks for a lot of time and wasting a little bit of time here and there but majority of the time it worked out so props to malrang um i remember i saw odo's tweet that malrang was like tearing up solo queue but now in the new season he's like 49 percent win rate so uh something's wrong with the server not the player yeah <laughs> yeah um but the, the, the last person I want to touch on is Comp. And I think Comp is really important to highlight for this rogue roster because, yes, he played three games of Jinx. He is a bit of a Jinx one trick, but I have to say, what a glow up. 32% of his team's damage makes sense on Jinx. Wait, Incredibly good numbers. Yeah, oh. he's number one in DPM and num- number two in damage share. Now, ranking in damage share is not really that valuable, but number one in DPM is sick. And as you highlighted, a lot of that is going to be because he played three games of yeah. Jinx. But... Remember, this is the man who had to replace Han Sama. And similarly, mm-hmm. also, because Comp, I think, is going to be the guy who shows the numbers, Trimby, way better, at least that I saw in the laning phase. And now some of that's because a lot of these younger bot lanes are going to be less experienced. But remember, he was a huge kind of issue when he first came in in spring. And we gave him the benefit of the doubt. He's young. He's going to make mistakes, whatever. And then it kind of, they, they were in the situation at Worlds where they just kept putting him on range supports and it never looked good in a meta where so many people were playing engage. But Lulu this weekend mm-hmm. was super clean. He was always where he needed to be. That rogue bot lane, I did not, I thought if anything, we would be like glossing over the rogue bot lane to praise the rogue top side if rogue were going to win games. But the rogue bot lane did comp and be both, I think, show up this weekend. Oh, yeah, definitely. And the last thing I just want to say about comp is last year he joined Vitality on the LEC team, spring 2021. He played three weeks of games and went one and seven, uh, one and six, and then he got replaced, gone. And that was him, disappeared. After February last year, he vanished, gone from pro play. Comes back. 3-0 instantly. He's got more wins than he did in the entire year last year combined. The year before that, I believe they only won like 10 games in total throughout the entire year as well. So the fact that he was on such teams that were struggling so much, even last year he was considered a problem. I think was it Crownshot who came in to replace him and Comp yep, was supposed yep. to be the issue in the team and they wanted more of a vocal voice. I guess now he has a team where he can take a step back and he already has loads of vocal voices around him and he can focus on the game. And Comp is a player who was very, very high low all throughout the last couple of years, always hovering around top five, rank one, in between uh, Monster and Solo queue. So it's great to see him on a team that performs. I think the only big question mark around me, comp right now I have is, uh, can you play other things in Jinx? Which I imagine he can. Yeah. But uh, it's time to take Jinx away from comp, I think, yeah, Mr. Week 2 LEC teams. Yeah, and I will say that I think that Rogue are a great team and have proven to consistently be a very good team about like finding a way to play and a read on the meta that works for them. And usually we're like, awesome good and then when it gets to best of five that's usually when that fails but rogue have historically been a super good best of one team i think they came prepared with excellent week one lec drafts 
You know what I mean? I think oh, the yeah. ceiling is ultimately the question of this rogue team. How much can they play different styles, et cetera, et cetera. And Odawani talked about it in his interview with Lore. They want to be a team where they can play anything. But we haven't we haven't really seen that yet. So that's kind of the goalpost for Rogue, I think, moving forward is to like transcend the old Rogue time memes, transcend the old one, play for lane, one, you know, one trick pony kind of style that we got used to seeing from Rogue. Uh, and that's not something I expect to change in a single week, but I think it's something we're going to keep track of. Yeah, and it, uh, just two quick things. If you remember Rogue from last year, um, Rogue was just a win lane, win game team. They were not a team fighting mm -hmm. team. They tried to play team fight. I think it was in playoffs against, I'm going to say Mad Lions. I'm going to look it up as I keep talking, but well, they, they would pick they Lucian, the they would pick Jace, they would pick champs like this, and this is how mm -hmm. they would win games. Um, they would uh, take your towers early, they'd move around the map, have insane gold leads, and then of course they'd throw. That's basically how Rogue would work Rogue time. This time we're seeing so much different gameplay from them. Three games already, full team fight. Larson's playing Victor. We got Odo and Orn. You know, they're playing full team fight. Jinx, Rakan. Um, really surprising to see from them coming out the gate straight away. Um, and yes, it was, I believe, against uh, against Rogue. Uh, Mad Lion, sorry. Uh, but anyway, massive props to them. Uh, and I think that just talking about meta read, if I'm a team in the LEC and I'm coming into week one, I would much, I, I would, I think the best thing to do, I've said this multiple times, but I'll say it last time, is draft scaling, team fight, and lanes that aren't losing super hard. You know, you don't have to overcomplicate it with, you know, single target damage comps that want to play over side lane with like Jason Jin or something, or some kind of overcomplicated comp that has to win early game to get ahead, right? You pick a, a comp that scales well, has good team fight, good wave clear, and you chill out a bit. And you rely on yourselves being a good enough team to slow the game down and win. Why? Because in early spring, week one, teams are not very good at closing out games. They're brand new uh, rosters. They've only been screaming a week or two and they haven't got the best meta reads. So when it comes to closing out games, it becomes very difficult. So I think slowing the pace of the game down is important and scaling in teamfight always is the easiest way to do that. Jinx, Rakan, Orin, all this good stuff. Why is that a good thing? Well, the later the split goes, I would rather be a team that plays it safe early, gets good early wins in the split, and then tries things out, then trying things out at the start of the split, realizing we're losing games, and then need to win games towards the end of the split, right? It just puts a cushion underneath you, where like week six, you can be like, well, we already have nine wins or six, win uh, seven wins, eight wins. We're probably going to get playoffs. We're probably going to make top four. Let's try out a different comp, rather than come out trying to guess into something and play something random and then losing games, right? I I'm completely on the same page as you. And I, I think that the thing is, the way that competitive league works with how much can change patch to patch to patch to patch. If you have a period of time where you feel like you have guaranteed wins, get them. Cause ultimately like until playoffs patch, to be honest with you, like your meta read can be totally worthless. Your play style read can be totally worthless. So if you have a surefire mm -hmm. way to get wins, go for it. Now I think if, if similarly, uh, you know, if there's like one particular skill set that you believe is always the optimal way to play League of Legends and you want to invest in that, I won't knock that. I'd probably disagree with you, but like there, there's, you don't have to just do it this way. But I think that like, yeah, it's just a fist fight at the start of spring split. These games are not high quality. You are not playing against people who are like at their peak. You are not at your peak. So just get the wins because it's not, it's not even to be honest with you, the best practice in the world. You could be great at one, three, one at the start of the season and like, yeah, congrats. Everyone is bad at the start of the season and you're winning with 1-3-1. One, one. Great. Now they're good at the end of the season. What is that worth? Yeah, by week five, six, seven teams get, um, they get a lot better. And at the start of the split, you can kind of pick up those free wins. Uh, and I think 
The biggest reason for this, and the biggest reason this works in Europe, in my opinion, because I've seen this every year for like four years straight in spring, that the same thing always happens is because the LEC is best of one. And best of one is just so volatile. If it was best of three, like an Eastern region, then of course you can play whatever you want, whatever's working in scrims, try to play comfort or try to play styles that you want to fix and change because you can lose a game one. You can go one, one in a series. You, you can still bring it back. Best of three gives you so much more room to explore and grow and try different things. Whereas in LEC, in LEC, uh, best of one you have to be a bit more careful right uh, make sure you got early best of one so you can feel comfortable later on the split to play different things and get better um so that's why best of three is better for competitive reasons i think for the players because they can be a bit more loose when it comes to early yeah. spring or, or or the middle of the split uh, but yeah i think with best of one just don't just don't take that risk i think a cushion is always better than trying to come out the gates trying to reinvent the wheel yeah i think slow and steady or if you're playing someone above you that you maybe are not confident in beating going full on cheese but if you exist in that gray area i feel like you're just not setting yourself up for success either fully reliable or full gamble but like respect that it's a best of one and yeah you're right i think you're right it's different format we might uh, see completely different teams like rogue almost, might be middle of the pack in a best of three world who knows i'll, I'll always remember something young buck told me uh which was quite funny in excel where it's like we would draft a comp with some like two losing lanes and you know uh, we would outscale them and he would say well it's on them you know let them explode our nexus see if they can do it let them try to explode our nexus you guys aren't going to try to explode theirs until around 25 20 minutes but they're going to try to explode yours so just try to stop them see what happens you know L let them run at you it's all on them you know pressure's on them so which was kind of like a a cool thing to think about where you're just kind of you know farming your jungle covering lanes they're not getting any leads in 10 minutes and then you're just smiling to yourself like well guys it's an even game with 15 minutes and you haven't even got a single dragon yet. Uh, you okay? Yeah. Damn, dude. I mean, I like that, frankly. That's my kind of League of Legends. Let the, let the, let the decisions come to you. Just sit back, do your thing. Like, that's, uh, that's low pressure. I, I, especially if you've got a young roster, I feel like more people should just do that for the younger teams. Just like, hey, you know, you're, you're having a good time. You're chilling. We're having a yep. cup of tea. They want to they rock up, like, we'll fight. But we're just sitting here, we're waiting. We're chilling. It's yeah. not a bad. It's boring. Three, it's not exciting. League of Legends. Fight. <laughs> exactly. Work towards it. Grow up. Um, let's jump over to some of the hot takes now. Those are kind of some of the teams that stood out to us most. Ooh. And I'm going to strategically pick a hot take so we can talk about another team that I think people are going to be want us to talk about. So shout out to Yannick who at Yarls. I'm assuming these these Js are wise Yar Yar, uh, but maybe not. Maybe it's Charles. <laughs> Yar. Uh, <laughs> Yarl779. Fnatic will win the LEC and NA will win Worlds. Um, we'll start with the second half of that. No. Uh, bro, I, would, <laughs> I, we're, I feel like we're still better than NA by a pretty decent margin. And uh, we're not even close to winning Worlds yet. So let's, let's slow. That's a little too spicy, Yannick. We're just going to slow down. I'm just so, going to say, like, I know it's 5 o'clock somewhere, but let's put the bottle down, Yannick. That's all I'll say. I saw, I saw a funny comment somewhere, I don't know if it was on socials, and I said it yesterday on my stream where it was like, NA has a master five-head plan that over the last nine years they're importing EU players, making them washed up and sending them back to EU so that eventually <laughs> that they can beat us with our own players, with our own players being washed up. And I was like, oh my god. So maybe they are yeah. catching up. The real riff uh, is winning the off-season. Yeah, yeah. Off season, off season is always so spicy, man. You think the world is over, and you're like, "Oh, league's done," and you wake up one morning, <gasps> you look at your phone, the news. Um, NA winning worlds. Yeah, I'm gonna say no to that one. Hot take. 
Yeah, base. Wow, based Cadrel. Thank you for coming out here. Oh God, I'm so glad. Your original opinions are just. Oh, I'm floored. <laughs> now, that's it. Fanatic on the other side, I think, is the interesting one because Fanatic obviously hitting the ground running. Hilly Baba looking like an absolute god. Um, let's talk a little bit about Fanatic in the scheme of things. I was. I think we saw everything we could want to see in a Fanatic Week One, which was we got some inting. We got some great and terrible, well, not really that many. We got mostly 90% great Hillisang moments. I think that one Thresh play in bot lane was a little grief. Other than that, we were like, we were pretty much chilling. Um, and we got to see kind of this team come back pretty consistently mid to late game, which is something that I would have thought we would get from Vitality with how many veteran players were there. But like Fnatic on average early game stats were pretty booty. Uh, and there's, yeah, that's like, weren't great. But despite that, came out and found wins. And I think that's huge for their first week. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to touch on when it comes to Fnatic, because I think there's a lot of positives to take away from uh, from the week. Team seems to be meshing well, you know, sitting at three wins pretty comfortably. Uh, bot lane's doing good. Hillisang, I mean, I'm I'm a worshiper of the Church of Hillisang. If uh, I'm going to give a <coughs> Springs with MVP, I think Hillisang is already one of my candidates at the top of the list. Um, the biggest issue I saw with Fnatic was their early games, and the worry I have is that the early games normally come from jungle. Razork really struggled in the first 15-20 mm -hmm. minutes of the games and came back towards teamfights, and his lanes were the ones to kind of help him out rather than him helping out his lanes. And if you think of Razork and Misfits last year, it was the absolute opposite side of the coin, where early games were completely dominated by Razork. Misfits got early leads through Razork, and Razork was the one making plays happen, invading, diving lanes. Didn't get to see too much of that in week one. So that's the only kind of worry I have on these three games of uh, sample size. Early games were not the greatest, which is um, yeah, a bit worrying. I think going into next week, I'm sure he'll try to turn it around. And he probably knows very consciously that the early games were not as good as he wanted them to be. But I think this team can only get stronger if they, if they fix those early games. Yeah. And I'm like, across the board, I just think that there was a lot of really good moments. And a lot of that consistent team play, we're still seeing strength coming out of the bottom lane. I liked that Fnatic won without Hillisang on an engaged champion too. That Zillion game, obviously, it felt more like... When you look back on it and Vitality had such a massive lead, and it's not like Hillisang played flawlessly. He did get caught multiple times. Um, mm -hmm. It's not perfect. I definitely don't want to tell people that Hillisang should be playing you know, Zillion every game or that Fnatic really like super-duper outplayed that game. Like I think that was Vitality's game to lose, and they did lose it. Um, but I still like that... We are seeing a fanatic who, while the while Razork does still, I think, need to grow into the role, where Hillisank doesn't always have to be Mr. Engage Bot, Mr. Save the Day with some crazy play. Because mm -hmm. um, I think you could totally rely on that. And I love that Hillisank does that. Of course, I would always rather watch a Hillisank Pike, Hillisank Recon game over a Hillisank Zillion game. But I think for Fnatic as a whole, and looking at the big picture, it's good to to be able to get him out of that role. Yeah, Hilly's got his two pocket picks, hasn't he? Uh, Pike and, and Zillion, oftentimes they come out if you blind pick something like, uh, I think it was Rakan for Vitality, mm -hmm. just going to lock in a Zillion. You know, you're playing a full single target damage burst comp. Okay, I pick my Zillion. Go dive us. <laughs> Dude, it's, it's actually so brutal. And there's so many people in the comments saying that Fnatic are going to go 18-0. I think that's steep. Um, I just don't think you can ever predict an 18-0. I think that's way too hot yeah. of a take. Because again, it's it is best of one, folks. How many times did G2 be like, this is the split where we we do it, and then they just grief one week in one game? And none of these, remember, none of these Fnatic games other, were like super duper clean. You know, there were still some oopsies across everyone. So it feels a little premature. Yeah, last person I want to touch on in Fnatic is Wunder. We touched on him a bit, but um, 
seems to be fitting in pretty well. I mean, yes, you can see the flashy plays of the top dives and him outplaying it. His lane phase against Adam was quite rough in the early stages, but he's against the Darius, right? But the fact that he's a top laner, just going to throw out some stats here um, with a little bit of context, Ooh. right? 29% of his team's Ooh. damage, which Ooh. is already incredible as a top laner. He played GP, he played Gwen, two, two kind of carry tops, we'll say, and one weak side top of Gragas, so he's shown flexibility. He's the second highest kill participation on the team, which is quite uh, baffling to me. The fact that he has 77% KP and his, his jungler is 10% lower, his mid laner is 10% lower, right? Um, so he's involved in a lot of the plays, and we keep, saw that with the Gregas finding engages uh, with the GP yeah. ults and things like this. Keep in mind, for contrast, Odo's on the exact opposite end. He's on like one of the lowest top lane kill participation percentages of of well, certainly of any top laner. So it's so crazy to see the contrast there, where like Odo's like put on an mm -hmm. island, winning his lane on his own, doing well in damage stats, but like not a huge participant in a lot of the team play going on early. Whereas like Wonder, maybe a little bit more volatile, certainly has been getting you know camped a lot and had that pretty awful lane against adam uh, and again as is to be expected versus darius but maybe more solo kills than should have happened certainly um mm. but he's he has huge kill participation. he's a part of like all of these plays he's a huge portion of the engage and you saw that especially in the gragas game where he was just everywhere he was on every single fight he was going in with that body slam partially because no one could kill him so good good spot to be for wonder yeah he was unkillable he really was against just one single ap damage of tf but i think the reliability of wonder is a big boom for Fnatic. like this guy can pretty much play whatever he wants, slot him in. He has a really big champion ocean. Uh, and he seems to be a, a, on on point. I mean, I looked at Wunder's most played champions over the last two years. It's a lot of Orin. It's a lot of Gragas. It's a lot of tanks top, which I think he's happy to play, which is really good for Fnatic. But uh, he can also play weak side carries like Gwen and GP, which can you don't really mm -hmm. have to play for. They can sit on their island, clear waves. They can back off when you're trying to cross map and they'll clear waves pretty easily and they'll be useful later on. Um, so I think the versatility and the flexibility that Wunder has shown in week one is uh, really, really important for Fnatic in the way they want to play the game. Yeah, and I think not, again, not to oversell, I think our goal here is to remember that it's the same week for every single team. So if we're not going to condemn Vitality to death after an 0-3, we can't tell you that Fnatic are LEC champions yet. I'm not trying to say that. It is still mm -hmm. a single week. But the big questions that we had for this team, we knew the bot lane was solid. No question asked. But the question was, was Wonder going to be able to get back to peak? First week, very good sign for that. With how is Razor going to fit with the team? Was he going to be able to recreate with Misfits? That's still up in the air. Still a bit of a question mark. Was Humanoid going to look good? And Humanoid looked pretty good. So I'd say you're basically two for three on the, the big fanatic questions that were like, okay, we can put the mess tier, but these are the things that have to go right. And I would say right now in week one, the fact that everything's all, most of those things are already going so well, hugely, hugely positive for fanatic. And while I think there's always going to be people going, ah, but you know, are they going to crash and burn? It can happen at any moment, which... And the historical scheme of super teams and teams that are this stacked, I think, is fair. Um, right now, Fnatic looking good. Fnatic looking excellent. Mm -hmm. And um, definitely feel like... I don't want to call them the strongest team in the league again because their, their, their wins were a bit all over the place. But in terms of... If you're a Fnatic fan looking at this Fnatic lineup, you should feel good. They are... Oh, not yeah. just because of the 3-0, but like things are looking solid. The concerns look like the checklist. Things are getting checked off that list and you're on the road to, to being a contender for the title there. Yeah, I'm sure the vibes are good as well. And Yamato is always a, a nice little voice to listen to before you're going into the game, telling you, telling yeah. you how you're going to dismantle the enemy team. So here's the, um, here's the question. Fosti, let's go to Fosti. Iconic memer Fosti, at Fosti, lol. I want your take on this take, Cadrill. 
XL would go 3-0 if not for a few mistakes mid-game. Overall solid and possibly top three team. I remember their game against BDS. They should have won that game. I'm sure about yeah. that. Um, that. That game was a roughie. They had yeah, everything they in had their really favor. They had really good scaling. They were made it far enough in the game. The game against yeah. G2 was the GP Corky game, right? Um, mm-hmm. It was winnable, for sure. They had, I mean, I will say, off the get-go, Friday, Saturday's games were winnable for XL. Uh, they were in winning states multiple times, and they could have won the games. Um, but the, the, the question is, the way it's phrased, and just the, the generic saying, if we did this differently, we would have won, you know? This is the classic yeah. thing in every game, right? If we didn't sure. get Dove bot and we backed off, we would have won. If we managed to get your in-hit with one more hit, we would have won, right? There's, that's the game of League of Legends, right? There's so many what-ifs. It's a game of inches. Um, if I had won one more game in the LEC, I'd made playoffs, man. Um, and there was a game against Rogue where we had a 10k gold lead and we threw. <laughs> but we didn't. Okay? And that's the, that's the beauty of Ooh. the game. What yeah. if? Yeah, the what ifs. I think, I think on the scheme of things, I will say that I'm a pretty big pest. And, I, and you predict they make playoffs and I predicted they didn't. And admittedly, that was with no game footage whatsoever. But I was, I'm generally pretty pessimistic when it comes to excel and it sucks because again this isn't necessarily the the fault of the players on the roster but the org has just failed me so many times um that i have a hard time getting super hyped but i will say that mm-hmm. nuke duck looks solid this weekend um patrick advi and lane had some ups and downs but that last game obviously against vitality was super great loved the zio build uh and finn did pretty good Beat the hell out of Broken Blade in that early landing phase. Broken Blade way too disrespectful of that GP level one. The Jace game, yeah, he got absolutely bodied, but he came back uh, in a big way. And I think that's that's the most you can ask for um, for a guy who's coming back right now. And definitely people are going to super duper hype him up. Like, oh, Finn was the one we should have been excited about the whole time. Alfarian perks are terrible. But I think that like, yeah, give Finn his moment. Like the, the man did play super well. yeah, yeah. For sure, yeah, he, t- horrible year last year in in NA, of course, but yeah, individually looks good. Um, it just goes to show that one NA import beats two NA imports in that XL versus Vitality match. <laughs> Bro, come on. Okay, all right, Excel looking promising. Not the best week overall in terms of results. We'll see what they do. Um, let's go back to the Vitality thing. Is there the spiciest? news for the week we've got one from emu2 at emu2 underscore replacing perks with a promising rookie will make team vitality stronger by the end of the split i'm gonna say this is definitely a reach uh this is a big big reach and there's a lot of these there's a lot of perks in alfari are washed there's a lot of this and don't get me wrong guys Mm -hmm. i get being frustrated because i think especially like we when we talk about perks in alfari we look at the the peak of both of those players and they're probably not there right now but uh Nah, man, like, people, you can't disrespect perks like this. You can call perks' last three games absolute trash, and that's fine. But, like, the man's historic achievements are so big. Like, he yeah. might, he's like the Michael Jordan of, of EU League of Legends. You know what I mean? Mm. And it doesn't line up with their careers at all. But I just mean in terms of pedigree. And, like, you can't, you can't ever count this man out. And look, if he bombs out for an entire year, I will be with people. But until he bombs out, kind of like G2 last year with this reckless super team, until they're like dead on the friggin' floor, you still have to believe that this guy can come back and be a, a contender. 
Yeah, and the re- biggest reason for that is his track record. Did he did he lose his lane uh, a couple of times on this weekend? Uh, last weekend, yes. Could he have done more? Yes. Was his performance leaving a lot to be desired? Definitely. But if you look at his track record, yeah. I mean, to say that a rookie would step in, first of all, it depend on the rookie, right? I don't want to contextualize things too much here. Uh, and, yeah. and second of all, the most important thing is behind the scenes, behind the game, outside of the game, what he brings in reviews, what he brings in terms of game knowledge, what he brings in communication in the game, right? The lane phase is one thing, but uh, when you finish a scrim, you finish a competitive game, his opinions have a lot of value behind them. He holds a lot of pedigree behind what he says and what he believes in the game and how the game should be played. And he has a lot of um, achievements to back it up. Um, so yeah, still just one week. Over, I wouldn't call it an overreaction that Perks has like, struggled. I think it's very normal to look at his lane phase and be like, yeah, he's definitely struggling. And in the games, he's not really finding much to, to play around. Uh, but to say that a rookie mid-stepping in would do better, uh, I think that's... I would say that's that's wrong. Yeah, I think it's a bit of a but reach. It's a hot take. And, I, and I will say it is a hot take. And that's what we asked for. And people have certainly delivered um we got a lot of na broke perks in alfari you know we got a lot of those and i'll just say like eh, we'll see you guys maybe maybe you're right maybe you're wrong i think it's too soon to call it now but by the end of the split we will definitely have an answer one way mm-hmm. or the other um transitioning over uh mm-hmm. Cadrel, my favorite one from one of many in this theme from krillers uh, at c underscore stybe i'm just gonna bomb whatever that is sorry buddy um Proud fan of Fnatic. Um, Cadrill can solo cast the entirety of LEC. I think this is a yes. I think you could do it. I don't. I think your voice would die because you're literally already casting all of LPL and LCK. And I think by the end of the year, you would sound like you've been smoking for like 30 years trying to push your voice that hard. But um, I, I think you could. Do you think you could do it? Do you think you could solo cast the entire thing? Uh. I think I could solo cast the entire thing if it wasn't casting and I could lay back in my chair and mm-hmm. uh, just talk to Twitch chat and then mm-hmm. talk about the game every now and then and then go f- really hard on the important games. I-, I think I could do that. I couldn't, I wouldn't be able to cast the games back to back to back five games a day every weekend nonstop. No, but um, yeah, maybe. Yeah, but then I'd be doing, yeah, even right now I'm doing like LPL all morning, LCK all morning and then I have like a 20 minute transition time to lec so and my voice is fine so i reckon i could do it if it was just like co-streaming vibes rather than casting vibes i'm um i don't want to overinflate the ego but i'm just saying if we bring back themed weeks i don't know if you remember themed weeks we had like a jungle week we could have a cadrill week just to just to really oh puff God, your no, ego up no, as much no, as no. possible and just no, be a, no no a cadrill. no no we could make it it'd be no. so cringe um no, everyone everyone would wear like a cadrill outfit we could just totally ruin it we'd be like those when your parents are like way too supportive, what is a cadrill like, outfit what is that you're just gonna bro, wear i don't know we could all wear like my face we could all something? wear your, we could all wear your harry potter ass glasses and like be oh like, Pog, let's God. go man and just like make oh, it so okay. uncomfortably oh, okay. cringe are those are those the first two things that come to mind when you think of me my glasses and Pog, oh, i'm kind of think, thinking it up on the spot it would be a, a week of great analysis um we could invite Gordon Ramsay on and uh, get him to DMCA you in person. <laughs> no, the, the problem is the problem is it wouldn't work because I think if, for example, you and Medic tried to, you know, impersonate slash dress up as me, I can't grow a beard, and your guys' beards are phenomenal. And I, well, and also I'm not shaving this beard for anyone because I don't have a jawline, which is the great secret. Like that this dude, beard this, hides. That's five <laughs> weeks right there, baby. That's five weeks right there. Yeah. <laughs> so I think you would never be able to pull it off because mm-hmm. it's a it's a it's a mustache gap, it's a it's, me, a it's a beard diff. 
Okay, bold prediction for anyone who's watching. Feel free to hit us up on Twitter at Daniel Drakus at Cadrill. Who who will look better after five weeks, Vitality or Cadrill's beard? Um, we'll see. We'll keep we'll keep track. Transitioning over the last thing I want to talk about something that five more weeks, huh? Submit <laughs> submitting hot takes on is uh, MVPs of the split, and I wanted to talk about our predictions. Um, but first, we will go to uh, ego at ego death d e t h. Uh, mad unforgiven will be mvp of the split so we'll just run through some of them there's a lot of people there's a comp will be mm-hmm. let's just go through a bunch cloudy sunday says comp will be mvp of the split hollow boy says odo omni will be the world's mvp um there's a bunch of hilla saying mvps in here who are actually your uh verless ver levis ver levis says hilla saying will be mvp um so who who's actually and it's one week again so it's way too soon but this is the point of hot takes and bold yeah, opinions yeah. um who do you who is your front runner right now that you would expect to be in um i i would put around two or three on the list so i would put hillisang on the list 100 percent um i would put el yoya on the list i would put um, odo amne on the list i'm just picking one from every team kind of here right now sure and, sure oh i don't know who i would pick from g2 maybe yankos from G2 and then I'll pick one more team uh, I'll say uh, I'll say I have no idea uh, uh, <laughs> uh, VTO I liked VTO's performance this weekend um, and I think if Misfits are finding success a lot of it will come from him as well um, the style I see prediction love me some mechanics mm. love me some flashy stuff so yeah uh, I'll, I'll use my Dark Horse MVPS VTO and then the other couple that I just said what about you? Yeah, I think it's hard because it's um, MVP is also it's so much about uh, it's like certain roles are just so much more likely to get MVP, I think. And it's yep. not it's it's usually whoever can be the most obvious hard carry. So Hillisang is so good at support that I think he's probably the exception to this. But normally it's really hard for a support to get MVP. Like you really have to clearly be making the game winning play every game for support to get MVP. Because oftentimes your your impact is just not as immediately visible as a mid laner AD carry. So Hillisang is the only support that I would put on that list. Not that Kaiser is not playing fantastically. Not that Trimby isn't stepping up. Not that there's not a lot of supports who I think are good and could get the title. But I think when it comes to voting, there's just no one who will get votes like Hillisang will get votes. Um, and similarly, El Yoya is the other one that I want to look at. Because I think that, in my opinion, and maybe this won't show, but when people want to talk about like unforgiven as a potential candidate and he has been great um a lot of that is going to be because of the team around him and the support that that sets him up and i think part of the reason that unforgiven has gotten to kind of turbo chill on a side lane and a lot of these games up until you know team fights in big moments or catch midways is because el yoya is doing so much around the map and uh, reeker is obviously the person who most directly benefits from that because el yoya spends by far the most of his time in the mid lane um but i think that like that that's the one that you said that i think really sticks with me is that i think elio is a guy that just makes stuff happen i just realized your logic of like uh it's very hard to get mvp uh especially with like the way you just described it it feels like unforgiven's gonna get it because like elio will set him up but unforgiven will smack him down and then of course we'll see the flashy plays and the stats and like he'll smurf it out in his rookie season you know maybe he'll win rookie of the split but and i think mvp maybe as well has, has anyone ever won one one has anyone ever won rookie and mvp of the split combined i don't know if you can i think you can but i i think you? you can 
You must be able to. So the the only thing I remember back to is the season, the G two seasons where I think Perks won rookie of the split and Tricks Trick won MVP. And I can't remember if Trick was eligible for rookie because I can't remember what the hell Trick did before G two. Excuse me, um, fans. I can't remember that one. I'm trying to see if anyone else mm. was even close. Caps's first split was all right, but he couldn't have won. There's no way he was MVP caliber because that wasn't like a great great year for Fnatic. Um, they didn't super super pop until he was like full. Maybe one day. Peak caps. This, I mean, one it could comes happen. in as a rookie and wins MVP. But that'll be that's like the gig, the Giga Chat double award. Walk away, refuse to elaborate. Yeah, that's perfect. Just quit. Win once. We play one game of Street Fighter. I beat you one time, and I retire undefeated. That's the strategy, dude. Hundred percent win rate. Hundred percent win rate. Never play again. Um, yeah. Put it in the Twitter think, bio. Yeah, and I just just again, I don't want to like over again. I feel like we're over praising Unforgiven, not because he has not earned it from a great week, but because I just don't want to put this much pressure on a young player's shoulders. But like this guy was on literally no one's radar. This Unforgiven, was the most, you're gonna win worlds. <laughs> this was the most random pickup of all goddamn time, and we weren't gonna flame it because we're like, all right, we trust Mac. We'll see what happens here. But the dude did pop in his first few games, so I, you yeah, know, yeah. he's definitely like. I would have. I put. I think Reeker above him for my rookie of the split. I can't even remember who you put for your rookie of the split. Was it Schlatan? Uh, it was Schlatan, right? It was Schlatan. Yeah, it was Schlatan. Bro, this, yeah. is, this is how what a super week does to your memory is bad. We're, I'm being a bad podcast host. I should know both things. Folk Regardless, brothers. Unforgiven was on neither of our radars, and now he's very much on, yeah. I think, everyone's radar. Um, something I'm excited to watch. Let's see. I want to get one more um, juicy hot take. One more here. hot take. Hot take. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I saw a couple hot takes. Yeah, then. wait. Don't you have one? Give me, give me one. You... No, no, go, 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 go. go. Uh, well, that's one I saw, but wait, let me open up. I don't know why, but every time I open up a browser on my PC, my sound like cuts out for a second. Oh, that sucks. Also, sorry to everyone who's listening, because this became the most scattered podcast of all time, but I'm just enjoying all of these tweets, but it means we've talked about MVP, we've jumped back to teams, we talked about rookies, we've jumped back to teams, like we're just a little, it's a little scattered. So we'll call this general LEC discussion, is what we'll call this section. (laughs) All right, did you find one? Uh, Some of these takes are not super hot, you know, they're like, they're okay Mm -hmm. takes. Lukewarm, lukewarm takes. we We got a hot take from Jamada. Okay. Vitality will go 9 9 and go seven to miss out on playoffs. I think nine nine is guaranteed playoffs, so I'll take eight ten there instead of nine yeah. nine, and we'll miss out on playoffs. Uh, I don't know if Vitality will miss out on playoffs because then who would you put in to make playoffs that is better than Vitality? I mean, it, I'm saying better than Vitality now is very easy because they're zero three, right? But let's take Vitality out of the equation and let's imagine in a simulation that you have Fnatic, Mad, Rogue, G two as G two as the four, which have already made it. Then we'll say Misfits XL or Misfits. SK, XL, BDS, you know? Yeah, the XL, SK, BDS, Misfits pack of four is like super hard call. Because Misfits are 2-1 right now. But I'm not like, I'm not going to tell you that they're heads and shoulders better. And similarly, like, mm-hmm. I don't know how to feel about SK, to be completely honest with you. That was, that was a, they, while they did ultimately win that mad game, and it was a banger of a game. It was like, and Jezu, to be fair, I think did very well this weekend. Um, they're still a little all over the place. I think it's mm-hmm. really hard to confidently yeah it's hard six is hard i actually think six is going to be like so tight i think every other thing is feel i feel really confident in that top five but six is feels next to impossible because a ton of people are like oh mm. misfits are the dark horse they're going to battle for the last playoff spot with sk but it's like i don't think that that's a two-horse race i think that there's like five people fighting for that last playoff spot 
Sorry, Astralis. I don't think you're fighting for that last playoff spot right now. Um, yeah, Astralis didn't look too hot in their games. I think Dior didn't have a too bad of a debut, but yeah. A lot of the wins, like we talked about on the first episode, a lot of the wins for Astralis last year came from just individual plays which saved the game. And uh, a lot of the games, they were already behind a lot and they had to come back from any mistakes. Um, yeah. But yeah, that didn't seem to come together from this... Again, the, the Misfits game was I mean, close, I believe. Yeah, uh, but then again, another hot take... Oh, you go ahead. I was going to say that the big thing for Astralis is we, we really needed them to hit the ground running because they kept so much of their roster. They kept so much of that core synergy. And they're, again, at the bottom of the, the gold deficit. We're tracking 8 and 14 now, by the way, for gold, not 10 and 15 anymore, uh, just to keep you guys up to date. So their gold deficit at 14 minutes was like negative 2.4K on average, which is just like, dude, it's like week mm. one. Like, this is surely, surely this is the time to pop off a little bit, but it's just... It's not there, and that's that's brutal. Saying that, they did make a, a little bit of a run at the end of summer split, so maybe they'll do it again. Um, didn't they go like? Didn't they win loads of games in? Yeah, they won a bunch. Of it was with the Zanzara Trundle era, and they were able. There was still there mm. was um, the White Knight Renekton Pentakill. I want to say it was at least Pentakill. I can't remember anymore. Yeah, but well, Renekton Renekton. Um, a lot of these takes I'm seeing. I'm seeing a lot of the same take. Two things I'm seeing. Number one is Vitality won't make playoffs, which. I think it's a hot take, you know? I, I'm, I, I like hot takes. I like spicy takes. If they don't make playoffs, what does that even mean for the region? I don't know. What happens to Perks? What happens to Alfari? Because you remember, like, teams like Origin, who finished 10th place with upset Alfari on them, Nukeduck, and then they all still found top teams anyway. Um, well, it's sad because we're in another situation where I think G2 was last year, where that team was... It was supposed to be impossible for that team to lose, and look what happened. And that's what kind of makes me sweat. Mm -hmm. Is like, are we going to lose a lot of our... Uh, and if these players do really bad, I think that obviously they still have to redeem themselves. I don't want to like be like, oh, it's the worst thing in the world that they're playing like crap. But like, we lost Reckless, we lost Mickey X, which is like two big hits to our bot lane pool, regardless of how you feel. Hansama Bwipo. And that Inspired. was less to do with the G2 collapse. Those are just players that are leaving, right? But with the oh, G2 yeah, collapse alone, we lost Mickey X and we lost Reckless to Cake Warp. And I'm, I hope Reckless does well on Cake Warp. And I hope Mickey finds a team that he's happy with um eventually because i still think he is when he's playing well one of the best sports in the league one of the few people who can contest the the kaiser and hillisang um mm -hmm. but then like are we gonna lose self-made are we gonna lose perks and alfari again and like again if they're playing really badly it won't feel bad at the time but i still believe in those players and it would suck to see this project explode and those players just kind of disappear forever in the way that it and again, I don't want to condemn Reckless because I think K-Corp is super cool and I'm glad he's in the LFL. But like Reckless just feels like he's gone now, right? It no longer feels like we're well, going to see... It, you can't expect Reckless to be back on an LEC team is, is now I what I feel like. I, I, saw, I saw a clip um, where Reckless said on his stream that he's only going to be gone for one year because he needs to get back to his goal of winning Worlds. So 2023 is back and he wants it to be with K-Corp. So we'll see what happens there. But the Ooh. second hot take that I'm seeing a lot is um, EU has gotten weaker over the last two years, which... I can agree with if you look at results, right? Uh, 2020 was only, was it semis? And then at Worlds, yep. I always take Worlds as the context. And then last year, of course, it was hardly quarters with just one team. Uh, I think 2020 was not a bad year. Like Fnatic almost beat top esports to make semis as well. E2, yes, they were really struggling against Damon, of course. I mean, Damon was just unbeatable that year. Though 2020 wasn't too bad, I think, but last year was a bit of a disaster. Um, and then just a follow-up for that is like, how important is bringing new talent to the league? How important is, you know, people like Mad Lions as a team, as an org, even Mac to the region and things like this for scouting players like Unforgiven or El Yoya last year to help um, kind of keep EU afloat internationally, right? Uh, yeah. Because if you look at, as an example, if you look at T1, for example, they are an 
absolute talent machine. You know, uh, I'm going to miss names here, but if you think about it, there's about seven or eight players who aren't on T1 anymore, which are in the LCK. And off the top of my head, I think of players like Effort, Kaz, who are in the LCK. You know, right now they have Zeus brought up, owner, Gumayushi, Petty, who is in the LCK still, who was part of T1. Uh, I'm, I think Lehenz was on T1 at one point. There was, there's so many T1 players, and I'm sure people will say in the comments, that are actually in the LCK, and it'll blow your mind. You know, Kana, I just came to my head again, Peanut. Yeah. Uh, this team was, I think, the biggest, is the biggest talent machine in the and, LCK. And, not, and some of those players have started in other places, whether it's, you know, LPL teams or, or um, I forgot the LPL minor league, the, the, L, the lower LPL league. And, and, but I, what, what I will say is that, like, this is my take on, on I think, kind of, I don't want to say East versus West, but, like, LCK, LPL versus, versus LEC, basically, right? And I think that the thing that I see a ton... Uh, and I would love love your opinion on this, Mark, because it's not my most formed opinion, but I've been thinking about this, is like, it feels to me like we are always playing catch-up on high-level league fundamentals. And mm. the huge individual skill gaps aren't as common as they used to be back in like season four, season five, whatever, where our players are just getting solo killed left and right. It definitely still does happen. There are still players that are heads and shoulders better than our players individually. But like, Watching especially that Gen G series this weekend, I was like, this is top tier League of Legends in week one. You know what I mean? And this is great. Whereas I like I look back at our week and it's like really all over the place. You got people dying on side lanes, getting caught out left and right. And it just feels like we're trying to our it feels like their teams, their good teams, because not all their teams are in this, their best teams are hitting the ground at a really solid high fundamental level and then are improving from there. Whereas it feels like even our teams, even our teams that are stacked like vitality are coming in and like it feels like relearning parts of the game and relearning how to play as a team and mm -hmm. i just don't see that as much in the lck and it's not perfectly black and white because there are team lck teams and there certainly have been lck super teams that have collapsed have fallen apart immediately like it's not a hundred percent lck lpl and it's a hundred percent or in zero percent lec but like a lot of these great orgs in the lck lck and the lpl feel like they are so good at bringing teams up to that like acceptable standard of this is high tier competitive league of legends and then they just those players keep growing from there as like a baseline and that's something that i've just yeah. watching that those like really good series in the lck and even the lpl this weekend that's what i feel like i'm seeing so much that i just wasn't seeing in the lec so what's your read on that yeah yeah before i jump into that question which i'm super like hyped to talk on i just looked at the t1 stats okay just recently in recent years gory edg now um, he went to, it's easy, I don't know. Gory went across to uh, an LPL team. I think this might be wrong. Anyway, uh, uh, efforts on Sandbox. Elim is on Afrika, Afrika Freaks, Kongdom Freaks, whatever. Uh, Teddy, Hoyt, Kaz, Closer, Kana. These are all players. Then they brought up Asper, who's on their substitute roster now. Keria, Gumayushi, Owner, Zeus. These are so many iterations of T1 just in the last two years, right? Um, uh, Gory's on FPX now, I believe, but it just says next team on the website. But yeah. They've exported so much talent, and they've just, I just think T1 just props to them as such a huge talent factory. Um, but I think the interesting discussion there about the, the strength of the Eastern teams is like, even if you don't have the best game knowledge, even if you're just a fan of League of Legends in general, you can watch a game or a series like Genji Damon, you can watch a series like Damon T1, and you can feel the level of gameplay is just different. Like the game, the way the game's being played, just it's a bit of an intangible, but you just watch and you're like, damn, I am watching the best League of Legends in the world right now. Um, and it all comes down to my opinion is because you view the game and it turns into this sort of dance and it's so beautiful to watch where no matter what happens on the map the other team is either trading evenly or slightly ahead 
Um, so you're having tier one trades, you're having bot tier one trades, you're having mid tier one trades, you're having tier two trades on either sides, Dragon for Herald, everything's always a dance, everything's always a trade, and it all comes down to an eventual team fight. It's never like one team takes the lead and then they just snowball the game. It's always both teams take the same kind of lead up to a dragon fight and then there's the biggest fight and it's just an even game state until then if you watch the damon series against t1 it's like that you watch this genji damon series it's like that one team slightly ahead going into it then the other team wins a fight then the other team wins a fight and it's always just like a game of ping pong where it's just trade-offs non-stop because it's either individual outplays or just the team game is just so um they're all such definitely on the same page that when they're cross-mapping top for a tier one and you're getting their bot tier one, they're not going to die on a side lane. They're not going to let their top laner die. He, instead of sitting on the tower and getting dove, he's already farming your jungle camps. They're always like practically thinking, what's the next step? How do we make sure that we're staying even in this game? And then eventually the next step is a fight. And when that fight happens, it's just, yeah, everyone plays it almost to, to perfection in the fights. And that's why the game is such a, uh, a, such a different level to watch because it's never a snooze fest. Um, of course, it, it has weight behind the game as well. When you see Showmaker versus Chovy, you see they both yeah. have 130 CS at 10 minutes as well. And you're like, wow, this is this is next level. And it is important to remember that we're not not saying that this is the LCK as a whole, because there are some snooze first games in the LCK. There are some teams that don't have that same, you know, they aren't dancing, they're just waiting, you know? And there's like, there are, not every region is composed of teams that are like that, but the top of the LCK, uh, it feels like that. And the top of the LPL, while often much more scrappy, can still feel like that and will still feel yeah. like that. Uh, LPL is LPL is another beast to watch. Like I, the thing with the LPL is, I was just taking LCK's example. You watch the LPL, they will not. Everyone's flash will be down by seven minutes. Like yeah, they will flash on you in that so same phase. You are dying. Like, do you? I, it's like honestly, like the uh, the LCK feels like Tai Chi. It's like smooth and flowing. You know, like yeah. I just watched the uh, Shangxi and like the Ten Rings, right? And so it just feels like that, like the smooth flowing, and like LPL just feels like Krav Maga. Like these guys are just yes. actually murdering each other. Yeah, like both like, martial, you know, there's both martial arts. They're both beautiful in their own way, but one of them is exceptionally brutal, and one of them feels like oh, more artistic and more like a, appreciable. Yeah, yeah. From a, yeah, you know, like a I think a good example point. is like yeah, a good example is like LCK. I talked about the dance and the cross map and the trades and like just going to the other side of the map. LPL is like. Imagine a bot lane, your support flashes in a set and dies level one, and they get a first blood. But both of them use flash in bot lane. Then you tell your jungler, it was actually a good play because bot both have no flash. <laughs> let's just stack away bot and dive them, or let's just let the wave bounce into us and dive them. So they use, like, they, they practically think ahead of, like, I'm going to either make a play here that's bad to make a good play later on, or I'm going to force the play here to see what happens and then make sure my team's around to react. And that's yeah. how the LPL works. You know, I they think, like... I will fight you here, and if you do not fight me back, you're going to lose. And if you fight me back, you're probably going to lose anyway. Yeah. But if you don't fight L me back, you're definitely going to lose, right? I think the way that I think about it is like LPL is a good death league. Like there is such thing as a good death in the LPL. In the LCK, yeah. there is two, but not to the same degree. Like there are a lot of good deaths in the LPL in the eyes of teams. It's so exciting. You get to see it from just the junglers, you know, the level five walking into your red buff, and it shouldn't work. Like... But if you say like, oh, he's on my red, I'm going to back off, and you go to the other side of the map, you've lost the play. You have to fight him to stop yep. him getting it. And if you don't fight him, he's going to take it in your face. And you need to have the balls to say, you know, get the, out of my jungle and fight him back. Get the <laughs> hell out of this bot lane. You're not allowed to lane 2v1. Stop staying under that tower and catching this wave, you know. LPL is just going to throw a punch at you. And if you don't block it, it's going to hit you right in the face, right? Uh, that's yep. what the beauty of LPL is. 
Absolutely. Of course, that was a, a bit of a tangent away from the LEC, but exciting leagues to watch. Certainly, if you didn't watch the, uh, you should be sure to watch the Genji Damwon series from last week. It was a super banger. And also, if you missed any LEC, be sure to watch the SK Mad Lions game, both because of the Cage Solo cast and because I just honestly thought it was a super fun <laughs> game this weekend. Um, just to wrap up here, we'll, we're going to hope that the LEC will continue to grow. If you're an LEC fan and you're worried about international, just know that we're not there yet and our team's have a ton of time to get better and to improve. And this was a hugely rocky offseason in terms of changes. So it is totally okay for the LEC to come in at a little bit of a lower level. Believe in the growth. I personally am optimistic that we can get back to the highs of 2019. And maybe if it's not a single super team, uh, which right now, like maybe it could be Fnatic, um, hopefully we can get a bunch of good teams together. But that is a far, far way away. I think the, the last point I would make is we've described LEC, LSK and LPL as LSK is the dance, LPL is the fist fight. LEC, I feel like they found international success with just uh, creativity and innovation, like being one step yep. ahead of the meta in drafts, being one step ahead in plays, which are not very common. So I think that that, um, that kind of flavor that the LEC and the flair they brought in 2019, G2 specifically, all just came from just creativity and willing to just think outside the box and... I think that's where Europe has really found success. So uh, maybe we'll see. Maybe we'll get it again this year. Get weird with it, LEC teams. That's what we're saying. Get weird with it. Get yep. your wins on the board with your scaling comps and then just get weird. Do weird, weird yep. stuff. Um, watch the LEC this weekend, Friday and Saturday. Kajal and I will be casting together, hopefully in studio together. Joyous reunion um, that that can be. Fingers crossed. We'll figure out the fine yep. details later in the week and we'll keep you guys posted. Um, one last thing before we close and end of the last episode there's a question that i've been thinking about um alfari's a super historic player and this is this is gonna feel like a loaded question and it kind of is but it's something that i think we're, we're gonna talk about next week so i don't want any answers now but i want to pose it to all the euphoria audience just to think about and we'll kind of we'll come prepared to talk about it next week and feel free to tweet us feel free to tweet if you're going to tweet at lec use the hashtag euphoria so we can track it or just tweet at us directly at daniel dracos and at cadrel um let me see exactly how i phrase this is Alfari a good carry top laner? That's the question. Not is he good at playing carry champions? Is he a man who from the top lane can carry games? That's the question that I want people to think about. I'm not going to lead you in any particular way. Obviously, it was a rough week for Vitality, so maybe there's going to be more people on the negative side of the coin. But if you want to engage with us about this, uh, be sure to bring some evidence. Be like, hey, how about this game? How about this series? That would be great because that's what I'm going to be doing this week. It's something I'm thinking about a lot because obviously he is a very strong laner. Uh I've seen this opinion float around while he was in the LCS and in TL, and I'll hold my hands up and say I didn't watch a lot of the TL. I wouldn't watch a lot of the LCS in general just because of the time zone and like working on the ADC and uh, LPL, SK things. So yeah, I think that what you just said there about evidence would be awesome. Like if someone can bring up a game and just be like, hey, he had this lead and then he did these mistakes over and over again and he did it again this week and this week, then uh, that would be great. But I think that's a cool question for Food for Thought because I think that's an opinion that's been kind of floating around the league scene over the last, I'll say, year in general yeah. uh, and just around Alfari as a player. And I'm not trying to lead anyone in any particular direction. We're just I think it's an interesting discussion, especially as we, we've built up Alfari a lot as a player. And I think that he has some pretty clear strengths and it would be good to just look at him a little bit more deeply. Um, next week, we'll also probably look to bring in a guest for interviews. Hopefully, we'll be back in the studio as well. Um, my boy, Mickey, is turbo chilling. So Mickey may end up being a regular guest on the show. If you're excited for Mickey, let us know. Uh, I can't 100% commit to that yet because I haven't talked to him about it or signed him up yet. But I'm soft. Oh, so you just, you just peer pressure him doing it now. I'm low-key peer pressuring Mickey X to come into the show. Maybe you can help us rate some bot lanes. But this has been um, episode two. I titled this uh, episode NAE Exports Keck W. I don't know if that title will make it in. Okay. So I thought I'd share it one time here. 
Um, this has been Euphoria Podcast, Episode 2. Hopefully back in studio next week. Watch the LEC so. this weekend. And eventually we will beat the LCK and the LPL. I promise, LEC fans, it will happen. Uh, until next time, see you later.